Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, Tom Harbin here. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. It's supported by advertising. So after this brief message, we'll get right into it. Guys, let's talk sex, good sex. You can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed with Blue Chew, like blue, like the color. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach since they're chewable. They work fast as, twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever you need to. Uh, Blue Chew is prescribed online, ships straight to your door in a discreet package, no in-person doctor visit, no waiting at the pharmacy, no more awkwardness, and it's made in the USA, and it ships direct. It's cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W, BlueChew.com, and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code TOM, T-H-O-M. You just pay five bucks for your shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E-Chew, dot com promo code tom to try it free blue chew is the better cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast this is the tom hartman program Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Harbin here with you. Some interesting stuff we're going to get into the Republican Party saving its soul in just a moment. Donald Trump saying, go ahead, break the law. I'll take care of you later. This is like extremely illegal. This guy is like a mob boss. And you've got to think of him as a mob boss. He's moving $300 million out of FEMA to pay for detention facilities for children. And he's trying to burn down our rainforest. The tweet of the week goes to uh, Jesse Lifson. Arkansas granny caught this over on DU. Here's the tweet. Trump is announcing a partnership with Bed, Bug, and Beyond. (laughs) I love it. Okay, the bombshell that is evolving right in front of our eyes, and I think that this will probably fuel a serious an outraged effort at impeachment is that it's increasingly looking like two things happen. Number one, that Donald Trump's not a billionaire. In fact, he may have a negative net worth. He's probably broke. When you take out all the loans he's got, he's got nothing left. Or at least it's looking that way. David K. Johnston talking about this. Number one. Number two, that the loans that he did get, he got through Deutsche Bank. It's the only bank that's been willing to lend to him for years and years and years. And they were apparently, now this is David K. Johnson reported this last night at MSNBC, co-signed by oligarchs. Now, it looks like most of these are Russian oligarchs, but he's saying, hey, look at Saudi oligarchs, look at United Arab Emirates oligarchs, and given Mike Flynn lobbying for Turkey and Trump helping him cover that up, maybe Turkish oligarchs. So we don't know who the billionaires are who co-signed Donald Trump's loans, but at least several of them are Russians, and that's the kind of thing that Robert Mueller was specifically not allowed to look into. In the charter that authorized him, it basically said he could not look at Trump's finances, and so he didn't. He never got his tax returns. He never dug into this stuff. So number one, it looks like Deutsche Bank made these loans to Donald Trump with Russian and other oligarchs, possibly other oligarchs, co-signing the notes. That tells you why Donald Trump has been behaving the way he has, number one. 
at least with regard to Russia. And then number two, it looks like the guy who oversaw those loans was a fellow by the name of Justin Kennedy at Deutsche Bank. Justin Kennedy was the son of Justice Anthony Kennedy. And at Trump's inauguration, he walked up to Kennedy and he said, and I tweeted this, uh, a link to this story, it was in Politico at the time. He walked up to Anthony Kennedy and said, say hello to your boy, special guy. And Kennedy said, well, your kids have been very nice to him. And Trump says, well, they love him and they love him in New York. In other words, I own your son. And as the story started coming out, it was actually a Dutch documentary. And I've seen this. I saw it a while ago. And it's pretty shocking. And it makes a, you know, basically it makes the claim that Donald Trump has been in bed with organized crime, specifically Russian organized crime, for well over a decade, maybe several decades, since his spate of bankruptcies in the late 90s. And that's the only reason that he's functioning. So Trump basically puts Kennedy on notice that his son is at risk. If I go down, your son goes down. And then does he whisper to Kennedy, hey, you know, things are coming to a head and I'm having a hard time protecting your boy. And Kennedy leaves the Supreme Court so that Trump can put Kavanaugh on there. Thus solidifying his vote with the uh, Christian evangelicals, which is a large chunk of white Southerners, well, all over the country, but in particularly in the South, and solidifying his support from the right-wing fundamentalists. Jerry Falwell Jr., by the way, now we have another young man, a 23-year-old young man, who Jerry Falwell Jr. has befriended and given millions of dollars worth of real estate to, which is very strange. Apparently, some of the real estate that Liberty University had or was affiliated with Liberty University ended up with this young man. It's like weird stuff going on. So, but, you know, Trump solidified Jerry Falwell Jr.'s support by doing this. And Anthony Kennedy steps down. So, you know, where does this go? And what is this going to do for the Republican Party? I mean, it's increasingly looking like the economy is on the edge of crashing. The Trump's tax returns show that he was only able to keep himself out of bankruptcy with loans from Deutsche Bank, engineered by the son of Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy, and co-signed by Russian oligarchs. If that trifecta hits, and I think we're close to it, and I think, frankly, a lot of people in the news business might be thinking, let's do this after Labor Day when there's more people paying attention. So my guess is we're going to see this story hit on Tuesday or Wednesday of next week. But in any case, if this trifecta hits and the Republicans realize that Trump basically blackmailed Anthony Kennedy to leave the Supreme Court, that Trump is wholly owned by foreign billionaires and isn't even, probably isn't even a multimillionaire himself, and the economy starts to go south in a big way, which, by the way, the yield curve fully inverted yesterday for the first time since 2007. There's like four or five different bonds, that short-term bonds, that have to have this inverted relationship with the 20-year notes, with the long-term bonds. And the last of those dominoes fell yesterday. So if that happens, if that trifecta happens, if the economy goes south, if it comes out that Trump is owned by foreign billionaires, and there's some evidence that Trump blackmailed Kennedy into leaving the Supreme Court by threatening his son, I'm thinking that the Republicans are going to face this horrible decision. Do we lose 49 states on Election Day and lose control of the Senate? Or do we figure out a way to replace Trump on the 2020 ticket? I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, that I think that there's a very real possibility that you're going to see a Pence-Haley ticket. I mean, this is an existential crisis and decision point for the Republican Party. Are they going to continue to be the party of corrupt American and foreign oligarchs? People like the Kochs and the Mercers and all these other right-wing billionaires who have been willing to throw, you know, hundreds or tens, well, it depends on the billionaire, but lots of millions of dollars into dark money pools that are relatively untraceable in order to influence elections. Are they going to continue to be the party of the corrupt American and foreign oligarchs with a base that's fueled by right-wing racist hate, which is pretty much all they've got? Or will the Republican Party as an institution quote, move left and become a functioning American political party again, 
like they were under the last honest Republican president, Dwight Eisenhower. Now, if they don't decide to move left and become the party of Dwight Eisenhower and arguably Mitt Romney, the Republican Party might go the way of the Whigs, you know, a political party that no longer exists. Or if the Republican Party stays in power and all this stuff happens and they don't ditch their billionaire owners and they continue trying to rig elections, Indiana was just blocked, by the way, by a three-judge tribunal in the 7th Court, as I recall, 7th U.S. Court of Appeals, from purging people, American voters, on the voting rolls in Indiana using the interstate cross-check list. I don't know how many other states are trying to do this right now, but Indiana passed a law, their, their Republican-controlled legislature passed a law in 2017, last year, year before last, saying that they could do this. It's been on hold because of a court challenge, and the federal appeals court just said, nope, you can't do it. Now, the Supreme Court told Ohio that they could do something very similar to this. So this will probably go to the Supreme Court. And maybe just in time for the next election, Indiana will get to, you know, like 17 million Americans have been purged from voting rolls nationwide, mostly in Republican states, just since the 2016 election. So anyhow, if Republicans continue down that road with their billionaire owners, foreign and domestic, and rigging elections, we're going to become a full oligarchy. I mean, Jimmy Carter on this program a couple of years ago said America is no longer a functioning democracy. It's now an oligarchy. I agree, but not an explicit oligarchy. In other words, everybody doesn't just you know, sit around and say, yeah, of course, you know, the billionaires are running the country, and that's a good thing. We will become an explicit oligarchy, an autocracy, and Trump will become an autocrat. I mean, he's trying to be one right now. Hey, I'll pardon you if you uh, commit some crimes, if you'll use eminent domain to steal some land from those farmers in Texas to build my wall. No problem. I'll pardon you. Excuse me? Now the White House is saying, oh, Trump was just joking. He wasn't joking. This is how mob bosses talk. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. On the other hand, if the Republican Party, you know, looks in the mirror and says, holy cow, we're doing this, really? And collectively says, you know, we're going to go back to Dwight Eisenhower. We're going to go back to being the cloth goat Republicans, the people that Richard Nixon portrayed himself as. So one of the very best of our economic correspondence these days is David K. Johnston. And David K. Johnston has come out and said, you know, just explicitly, and this was on Lawrence O'Donnell's show, just explicitly said, you know, these loans, these Deutsche Bank loans are being co-signed by Russian oligarchs. And, I mean, this is, the, to say the very least, this is problematic. And after Lawrence had this conversation with him, then he went on to have a conversation with... Actually, I'm not sure if it was, I didn't see Lawrence's show. I'm reading this from news reports. But it looks like after that, what happened was that John Heilman, the, the commentator for uh, MSNBC and general political guy, uh, he co-authored a book with uh, Mark, what's his name, the guy who's now disgraced, who's trying to make a comeback. Heilman just came right out and said, if this is the case, this is the skeleton key that unlocks everything. That everybody's been wondering, why is it that Trump will not challenge anything that Putin does or anything that any of the other oligarch billionaires around the world or any of the other people who are owned by oligarchs are doing. I mean, you know, we think of Duterte in the Philippines, for example, as, you know, a terrible guy. But the bottom line is he's there because he's supported by the oligarchs in the Philippines. We think of Erdogan in Turkey as a terrible guy. But the fact is he's there because he's supported by the oligarchs in Turkey. And this is a serious problem, right? But, and, and Bolsonaro, he's owned by the oligarchs in Brazil, you know, who are busily now burning down the rainforest. And Trump is apparently owned by oligarchs as well. So when we talk about oligarchies or when we talk about these governments that are, that are autocratic, what we're also talking about is not just the face in the front. It's not just Bolsonaro or, or, uh, Duterte, or in India, Modi, or in Turkey, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's not just that. It's the oligarchs behind these autocrats. You wouldn't have had Hitler if you didn't have Fritz Tyson funding him. I mean, he wrote a book after World War II titled, I Paid Hitler. 
basically an apology saying, you know, here's why I did this. Here's what I understood. So stick around. People are always asking me, Tom, is the X chair really as comfortable as you say it is? Does it really work? And my answer is, yeah. In fact, I probably don't do a good enough job describing just how great this chair feels. So take my advice, get one to feel it for yourself. Thanks to X chair's 30 day, no questions asked, guarantee of complete satisfaction. You have no risk. So if you're wondering what I, if what I say is true, try it yourself. Once you feel the X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar support, their DVL, you'll understand exactly why I love my X-Chair so much. Take advantage of X-Chair's new financing option and increase your productivity with the right model for you, the X-Basic or the X-1 through the X-4. The X-Chair can fit your body and your budget. X-Chair is on sale now for 100 bucks off. Just go to xchairtom.com now. That's xchairtom.com or call 1-844-4X-Chair. Go to xchairtom, T-H-O-M.com now and use the code XWheels and you'll receive a free set of the new XWheels for your chair, xchairtom.com. Welcome back, Tom Harbin here with you. And so anyhow, let me get into some of this other stuff. This is pretty amazing stuff. There's a new poll out. And this new poll is the Politico Morning Consult poll. This is a, it's a real poll, right, Politico? And the Politico Morning Consult tracking survey shows, now keep in mind, you've got some Democrats, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren specifically, who are saying Medicare for all. And some of the ones who didn't make it were saying, you know, Tom Steyer was saying that, and he apparently is not making the debates. And then you've got some Democrats who are saying, well, something in between, Kamala Harris has recalibrated her Medicare for all to say Medicare for all, but will allow people to have private health insurance if they want. And even, I suppose, to some extent, Bernie has, you know, slightly modified the Medicare for all to, you know, so that if a union has a particularly good for-profit health insurance plan that they like and they want to keep, they can. In other words, we're not going to outlaw private health insurance, which I think is wise, actually. So there's that kind of middle ground. And then there's the Biden position, which is held by a bunch of other people who are trying to get in the White House. The so-called moderate, well, it was Hickenlooper. I mean, Hickenlooper now, you know, he's running for the Senate in Colorado. And six Democratic women, you know, major stakeholders in Colorado, elected officials, wrote a letter to the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, the DSCC, saying, please withdraw your endorsement of Hickenlooper. He's a corporate Democrat and he's not going to win against Cory Gardner. And we should have the right to compete against him in the primary and one of us should win. We'll see where that goes. But anyhow, the poll shows that 57% of Democrats say they would be more likely to vote for a candidate who backs the Medicare for all health system over expanding the Affordable Care Act. That was in January, 57%. The new number, they just did a new poll this week. It was released today. The new number is not 57% of Democrats who want Medicare for all. It's now 65% of Democrats will vote for a candidate who says they're in favor of Medicare for all. And what percentage of Democratic primary voters, when asked, would you vote for somebody who is in favor of Medicare for all, or would you rather vote for somebody who wants to tweak Obamacare and improve it? Only 13% said that they would support somebody who just wants to tweak the system. That's pretty amazing. You know, we'll see where this goes. Meanwhile, this economy just keeps on destroying people. The post-Reagan economy, this neoliberal economy that we've had for nearly 40 years now, where the middle class has gotten progressively poorer. Every decade, the middle class gets poorer. Now, fewer than 50% of working Americans are in the middle class, even. But the millennials are particularly hard hit. Millennials, their home ownership is 8% lower than it was for my generation at that age, or even my Gen X kids. The net worth of your average millennial household is 40% lower than Gen X households. That was back in 2001. And 20% lower than it was for my generation, the baby boomers, at the end of the 1980s. And it looks like the biggest actor in this, the biggest thing that is causing this, is student loan debt, which is you know, a particular problem for at least one 
Democratic presidential candidate. So, so let's check in with Talk Media News with Bob Nay and find out what's going on in the world today. This report brought to you by GoatsForTheOldGoat.com and Loving What You Do, Alan Ratner's new book. Bob, welcome. Well, thank you, Tom. So what's up in the world? Well, the Trump administration will not be releasing the peace plan that they have before Israel's elections. And Israel's elections, Tom, are, as you know, September the 17th. And it's been a pretty big battle for uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu back and forth with a lot of problems that have, have occurred over there. But the big important part to it, I guess, why it matters is because the president has spoken twice about this issue in the last two weeks that we've covered it. He raised the possibility he was going to at least let some of it you know, be out there. But then we're told that he had a meeting with his Middle East peace team, which is headed by, of course, Jared Kushner, and several discussions were held, and they have decided to do nothing right now. Uh, obviously, somebody gave a phone call to them somewhere, I would assume, right. since they've decided to not put it out there. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, right. And I don't expect anything, actually, Tom, after the election anyway, because uh, there has been no Palestinian involvement on this. They actually called um, Palestinian businessmen American Palestinians and actually considered that uh, input into the peace plan. So I, huh. th- there'll be nothing. Yes, they, they did that. Wow. There's no like Saad Barakat and others that are over there, they've had no involvement uh, with it. And then uh, the president is going to fast-track the border wall, and I discovered in this story something I didn't know. Well, first of all, he's going to, he's directing aides to fast-track the billions of dollars worth of construction. We know he did that. The one had the court test, of course, to it, where he was using Pentagon money. And now he's going to order and promise to complete uh, 500 miles of the fence before the election because, you know, this was his big deal, build the wall, of course. But uh, Mexico's not paying for it. Yes, Mexico's not. Yeah. And what he will say is that, hey, I got it built because the Democratic side just wouldn't help me. And so I got it built and we're going to pay for it later. (laughs) We're going to take away We're going to build Mexico Mexico later? Is that the deal? Later. Later, We'll send send him an invoice. Yeah. Maybe after he's out of office, they'll, they'll find a way to pay for it. Yeah. And but there's something here I did not know. There is an additional cost to this wall because the president is insistent that the border wall be painted black. Have you heard about this? No. He's, he's delaying the entire process because he's insisting on painting it black, and that's driving up the costs. In fact... A single mile of the wall in California costs $1 million in painting costs. And he thinks that the dark coat will mean that the wall will look too hot and too slippery to climb. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so... You know, I think people that are coming to the border, they talk to each other, and they realize that's black paint, and that's not actually going to... uh, So I don't know if there's a paint contractor out there, but somebody's getting a million a mile for... uh, for the painting yeah. for that. I, I, and then we're watching, amazing. of course, the Deutsche Bank and the tax returns of the president, which is an interesting battle because Congress clearly had the rights under uh, an uh, old law where at one point in time the president of the United States could look at anybody's tax returns and due to right. some conflicts with them. Right, and Congress can now. So here's, a, here's, a, here's my question, Bob. David K. Johnson on MSNBC was saying that um, Deutsche Bank has t- Trump's tax returns, and what they're showing yeah. is that most of, and maybe all of his loans since his last bankruptcies from Deutsche Bank have been co-signed by billionaire oligarchs, mostly in Russia, uh, perhaps the United Arab Emirates, maybe even in Turkey. So he's in the pocket of these foreign guys. And then there's also, at the inauguration, Trump walked up to Anthony Kennedy and said, hey, nice boy you've got there. Um, And, you know, there's speculation that Trump basically blackmailed Anthony Kennedy into leaving the Supreme Court by threatening, implicitly or explicitly, threatening to expose his son's participation in Trump's crimes because his son, Justin Kennedy, was the head of the real estate division of Deutsche Bank, which was who was loaning all this money to Donald Trump. So he was signing off on these loans or participating in them. Um, If this turns out to be the case, 
that Kennedy got basically, you know, left the Supreme Court to avoid his son right. being embarrassed um, so that Trump could get Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh on. And that, I mean, you know, if, if and that and that Trump is is owned by these foreign oligarchs and isn't a billionaire, isn't even necessarily a millionaire. He might be actually in debt. I mean, that, that would explain why he's so desperately fighting to not have anybody see his tax returns. Um, are, can you think of any other explanation? And, and if that comes out, how will the Republicans react? Well, the Republicans will have a real problem. And, of course, uh, if it comes out during the election and the seats that are up in the Senate, the Senate will, you know, look, it'll protect itself, Tom. I mean, I served with the Republican House, and, uh, and of course, the Senate, uh, we knew how everybody functioned, and they will protect themselves if this type of thing comes out. I mean, there's always been the talk on the Hill of the vulnerability of President Trump, and it wasn't Mueller as much as. I mean, that caused some problems, but the vulnerability is New York State, the Trump business empire, the fact that two of uh, his relatives, which is his daughter and son-in-law, are in the White House deciding policy and, on the other hand, are running the business combined with these loans. And yeah. if somebody pursues that, I think they're going to have a hot button. And Jared will see Jared is taking a billion bucks. Hills. So how do the Republicans get Trump off the ticket? Is there a way? Well, they won't. They won't. They'll just have to, uh, you know, fend for themselves the best they can, probably by attacking him. Very, very interesting. Bob Nay, Talk Media News. Thank you, Bob. Great talking with you. We'll be right back. Technology comes to your bedroom. Well, yeah, we already have TVs and smartphones and all kinds of technological things in our bedrooms, but the bed? And I'm not talking about, you know, like the inflatable beds you see advertised on TV and stuff like that. I, this is the ultimate sleep machine. It's called the Pod. It's from a company called Eight Sleep, and it actually regulates its own temperature. This bed warms up and cools down throughout the night in response to what your body needs so that you sleep better, you sleep more comfortably, you sleep longer, you sleep deeper. It's mind-boggling. It's like the Tesla of beds. Um, and they've even got you know personalized programs and coaching designed by experts to help you toward uh, true sleep fitness. Because the better you sleep, the better you everything. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, 8sleep will refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup only at 8sleep.com slash Tom, that's T-H-O-M, and 8 is spelled out, E-I-G-H-T. They've already sold out their first two batches, so they're going fast. For a limited time, you can get 150 bucks off the purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash Tom. That's E-I-G-H-T, sleep.com slash T-H-O-M, 8sleep.com slash Tom. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Oh, man, this is hysterical. Donald Trump tweeted, no bed bugs at Doral. <laughs> the radical left Democrats, upon hearing that the perfectly located for the next G7 Doral National Miami was under consideration for the next G7, spread that false and nasty rumor. Not nice. Right. No, it was the Miami Herald that spread that nasty rumor by reporting that Donald Trump's lawyers reached a settlement with an insurance executive from Connecticut who spent one night at the Doral and, according to Trump's lawyers, was himself responsible for being bit by bed bugs because, because of his, uh, his uh, oh, what, was the, what was the word, his behavior... Uh, well, whatever it was, it, it, I mean, this is this is nuts. I mean, this is just nuts. I'm going to retweet it as soon as I can think of something appropriate to say. It's like, how, how do you even respond to that? It's it, this is this is crazy. Zach in North Hollywood. Hey, Zach, what's up? Morning, Tom. Hey, real quick. There's a line in our country, and the line is two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. If you make less, you'd care about democracy. If you make more, mm, maybe not so much. I'm not sure that's true. Well, and then, of course, the top, they're, they're all in for the, themselves. But the point I called about is this election coming up is a debate. It's an argument. And Every election is. I, I, I want to believe that it's really not side to side. It's up and down. And the answer to wealth disparity is the middle and the bottom have to unite against the top. And the top 
is terrified that we're eventually going to figure that out. Yeah. And then their game is going to be over. Yeah, no, no I agree. They're, they're, they're using race to divide us. They're using class to divide us. They're using gender to divide us. They're using regionality, quote, culture to divide us. They're using abortion to divide us. They're using immigration to divide us. I mean, they are doing everything they can to keep us from talking about the fact that they're picking our pockets and it's have been ever since Ronald Reagan came We need came to abolish office. Citizens United and abolish the e-college. Thanks, Tom. Yeah, I'm with you. Thank you. Sean in Albion, Washington. Hey, Sean. The worst uh, policy of the Trump administration is getting everyone to believe that all these policies are of the Trump administration, because people act as if he's an anomaly. But everything he's doing, unless I'm mistaken, is pretty much standard Republican policy and plans all along. I mean, yes. the, the, the idea of getting these lobbyists into key positions in the, you know, is the dream of theirs, and they've done this sort of thing before. Oh, but Reagan did Trump this stuff. Trump that, Trump this, Trump that, Trump, Trump, Trump. It's not Trump, it's the Republicans. He's their dream. That's one reason why people, why isn't the Republican Party say anything about Trump? Because they're happy with him. Everything's right. going exactly as planned. And as long as everyone thinks, oh, we get rid of that one man, we'll solve the problem. It's like saying, ah, oh, we elected a black man to a president, therefore racism has ended in America. Yeah. So it's like, it's not Trump, it's the Republicans, and that's his worst policy, is getting everyone to go, Trump, 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 Trump. Well, that's an excellent point. Uh, you know, and Sean, I agree with you. And in fact, I'll incorporate that into my into my uh, ongoing rants. Sean, Republican thanks. President Trump, that's how you should always say his name. There my friend Mark came up, who's a big fan of yours, came up with the idea, and he calls him all the time, the Republican President Trump, to yeah. always remember he is a Republican, and he's doing the Republican thing. Yeah. We love your show. Have a great day. Thanks a lot, Sean. Adam in uh, New Springfield, Ohio. Hey, Adam, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Uh, you can get your mouth a little closer to the microphone. It'll be great. I was in radio for 17 years. You're still in radio. And I left college to do radio. I've lost that career because of, in part, the Telecommunications Reform Act of 96. And all, it, I don't know how much you can beat on it or what has to be done to try to show people that we need local. You've talked about it with local newspapers. The local newspaper in Youngstown, Ohio, after 150 years, is shutting down. Right. The Youngstown Vindicator and the Warren Tribune of the neighboring county has agreed to pick it back up and keep it running. Yeah. But the shrinking of local has been so depleted. And you spoke about Limbaugh, and I think that of the triad of power, wealth, and influence, and people who are obsessed or addicted to it, influence seems to be the lesser evil by presentation, but it's actually the worst. And I think Rupert Murdoch is probably exhibit A of this. Mm -hmm. with what he has done. And it's interesting that Rupert Murdoch doesn't seem to have these problems of corporate mergers with, you know, Comcast or Verizon or AT&T and some of these other huge corporate mergers that are happening. He stays solo, and there's a reason why, because he is addicted and obsessed with influence. And it's talking points that people are going out and shoving into other people's faces with every day while they're ignoring commonality. And you touch on it constantly. But what can actually be done to try to wake people up? Because I witnessed it by being in media. Yeah. No, I, I, I see it, too. And, and here in, in Oregon, for example, you know, the, the, the Oregonian, the local newspaper, uh, essentially went out of business. It got sold to a company in New York. And so now it's, uh, it's a little tabloid. And, you know, it's published by a company in New York. And basically the only editorials you see in it are, are local right-wingers. And uh, and I'm wondering if they're pay for play editorials. Even I I don't know, but but this is hap I know this is happening all over the country. I think and people then they are staff all the people that are there that are local. Yeah, I think people are starting to wake up, and particularly when they see you know people in the news going, well, you know, yeah, it seems like a lot of people like the idea of free college, but uh, is it practical? Can it win election? You know, this kind of BS. Um, you know, maybe people were buying this stuff ten years ago. They're not buying it anymore. And and um, you know, Americans are waking up, Adam. They really and seriously genuinely waking up and that's a good thing adam i gotta move along but thank you for the call and spot on about local media just got destroyed by the telecommunications act and by you know reagan changing basically enforcement of the sherman antitrust act the anti-monopoly laws gary in chicago hey gary what's up hey tom i'm going to hit you with a little saying here consistency cancels coincidence okay, okay. what are you talking about so I'm talking about Anthony Kennedy leaving the Supreme Court. 
You're talking, okay. is this the story where it looks like possibly right. Donald Trump blackmailed Anthony Kennedy to leave the Supreme Court by threatening to expose that his son was involved in these skeezy real estate loans that are being co-signed by Russian billionaire oligarchs for the Trump company? Exactly. Okay. You summarized it as a political move. It's not. It's a legal move. Okay. By controlling the Supreme Court, and controlling the Justice Department by getting rid of Sessions and putting power in there, now insulates himself against any repercussions legally. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, it's entirely possible. And, and just like five senators, five U.S. senators, wrote an amicus brief, uh, front of the court brief, to the Supreme Court on this decision that's coming up on guns and said, five of you were put on the court with money from the NRA. You should not be ruling on this issue which is a pretty damn shocking thing to have happen. I think if, the story, if this story is true, whether Trump uh, did it implicitly or explicitly, threatened Kennedy with, the, with the, you know, revealing his son's involvement in, in Trump's crimes, basically, the Trump crime family's crimes, then uh, this is going to have legs and this will lead to impeachment. This is, this is serious stuff. Gary, thanks a lot for the call. Brian in Liberty, Nebraska. Hey, Brian, what's up? Hi, Tom. I'm looking, uh, I'm a little bit worried about if all of our dreams come true and we get Medicare for all and we get a Green New Deal and all this, what's to stop corporations from uh, trying to scuttle it? You know, like Oh, they're going to try and scuttle it before it's even born. They're doing that right course, now. Of course, but if it gets enacted... I mean, it seems like they'll redouble their effort and there'll be disruptions in supply chains. And That's right. The way that we stop that is by repealing Citizens United and the Supreme Court decisions going back to 1976, the Buckley case, that led to Citizens United. And that could be done by Congress. I lay this out in my book, The Hidden History of the Supreme Court and the Betrayal of America. It could be done by Congress. It really, more appropriately, should be done by constitutional amendment. And most of the Democratic candidates, even the ones who aren't, quote, progressive, are in favor of a constitutional amendment that will say corporations are not people and money is not speech. And most of America is in favor of this. We just haven't yet gotten enough of the members of Congress, the House and the Senate, to go along with this because so many of them are living off corporate money. Okay, so that's a solution that works from within government. But right. I was a little bit concerned about just stuff out that's going to be happening out on the street. Well, what's happening on the street is that we have to change our government. We, we have to get out on the streets in okay. terms of, you know, waking up our friends and neighbors, talking about these issues at work, sharing things with family, sharing them in social media. You know, just, just wake people up to these issues. This, this, is, this has got to be step one. Brian, thanks a lot for the call. John in Minneapolis. Hey, John, what's up? Yeah, I just wanted to say real quickly that I, I had heard Donald Trump say that he thought it was a good idea that a lot of small farmers or, you know, middle farmers would go out of business because he thought that having concentration of corporate farms was better, essentially. So I did hear him say that, and it was like jaw-dropping. Yeah. But, uh, yes, they supported him, you know, in, in this state, outstate uh uh, farmers supported him overall, same in Wisconsin and some of the other, and Iowa probably the same also. Yeah. And, but here's the simple reality that goes way beyond that, John, and that is that since the 1970s, there has been an aggressive effort to indoctrinate Americans, and they succeeded, by the way. They, they, yep. they, they got this in, through the Supreme Court in the, in the GTE Sylvania case, and they basically got you know, the White House in, in the first year of the Reagan administration, 1981, to adopt this policy, which is that bigger is better. That bigger right. corporations it, are more it, efficient. The bigger corporate, which it turns out is not true. The bigger right. it's not true because the more competition, the lower the price. The more that's, that's available correct. for people, more jobs, uh, the better the democracy. I mean, the whole thing. It's just yeah. Affects everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, well, as you know, I'm writing a book about this right now. And I just had, I just yesterday got a, a copy of Robert Bork's book, The Antitrust Paradox. I think I had to pay like 200 bucks for it because it's, it's out of print and real hard to find. Wow. And, but, but Bork in that book lays out this whole thing about how we need more monopolies and more trusts. And, you know, we shouldn't be trying to stop them. We should be encouraging them, essentially. Right. Because you know, they, and, it and be, it's, 
it's inevitable with capitalism, the cyclical nature of capitalism, that's what you end up with unless you intervene, and that's what the government is there to do, and that's what yes. it should have been doing, you know, uh, but unfortunately hasn't since about 1980 or so. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. John, thanks for the call. Uh, let's see, Sean. Oh, there was one other thing in the news that I want to share with you, and then I'm going to pick up your phone calls. We've got some great ones here. Donald Trump at the G7 used the event and his press availability at the event to promote his Doral resort down in Florida. And that has led to a revival of a story from the Miami Herald from January 30th of last year, January 30th, 2017. And I'll just, you know, the, the, share the story with you straight up. It's by uh, Jose Lambier, L-A-M-B-I-E-T. It says, white smoke over President Donald Trump's National Doral Miami Golf Resort. The scandal of the luxury resort's bedbugs is about to go away. Turns out that there was this guy, Eric Linder was his name. He was an insurance exe- executive out of New Jersey who stayed in the $300 a night villa at the Doral in March of 2016 and woke up in the morning with bedbug bites all over him. And in fact, this picture of him, it's all over Twitter anyway. Back of his neck is just covered with these bites. And so he sued. (laughs) I don't know what he sued for because it was settled out of court. It was settled out of court a year ago, January. But the Doral's response was that Linder, this insurance executive, quote, conducted himself so carelessly and negligently that his conduct was the sole proximate cause or contributing cause, end quote, to the bed bugs covering his body. So what was his negligent behavior, careless and negligent behavior? It must be that he decided to stay at a property owned by Donald Trump. I mean, that's pretty bad, right? I mean, you just, you, you, you kind of have to expect what, whatever happens. Amazing stuff. Mike in Los Angeles, listening to KPFK. Hey, Mike, what's up? Hey, Tom. You know, this uh, Brazilian Fuhrer, Bolsonaro, said he'd accept uh, European money to help put out Brazil's fires only if French President Macron apologizes to him for not uh, endorsing some Bolsonaro lie. And that, I figure, makes uh, the Emperor Nero look like a really stable genius by comparison. Yeah, Bolsonaro and Trump are, are cut from the same cloth. Oh, by the way, the G7 people better watch out about staying at the Doral, because I understand the Surgeon General said Doral causes cancer. <laughs> Just like windmills, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, Mike, thanks a lot. Good to hear from you. Jack in uh, International Falls, Minnesota. Hey, Jack, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. I'd like your opinion on this. I think, and I'm not the first to think this, that if Trump loses the election, he will not admit defeat. He will indeed declare victory. They, for instance, thousands of illegals voted that the people who attend his rallies will take to the streets, that Fox News and right-wing radio will probably defend him. I'm wondering how Attorney General Barr would react, Mitch McConnell would react, Republicans in Congress. What's your take on this? My take is that if the scenario that you describe plays out, if that happens, which is a worst-case scenario, then one of two things is going to happen. Either our democracy is dead and Trump has killed it with generous help from the Koch brothers and their network of billionaires and and Fox News, which is owned by billionaire Rupert Murdoch. Either our democracy is dead or our democracy will bounce back very, very quickly. There will be so much backlash and so much blowback that they can't pull it off. And I don't know how to accurately predict which is going to happen. But what you're describing is how numerous countries probably the majority of countries that were once democracies and then ceased to be democracies, whether it was Argentina, whether it was Chile, whether it was, I mean, you go back in history, there's, you know, dozens of European countries back before World War I and World War II, and some afterwards, in fact. This is how most of them fall. This is how democracies fail. So I hope you're wrong, Jack. I, you know, I hope that 
what happens is Trump just retires to be a cranky host on Fox News, uh, which is what I think is most likely. And the one thing that might argue in favor of that is that he seems to be deteriorating right in front of our eyes. His right. mental health seems to be collapsing. And a lot of people are real concerned that, you know, this guy's exhibiting symptoms of severe mental illness and deterioration. We'll see, though. Jack, thanks for the call. You know, while a lot of people associate uh, CBD oil and, uh, well, even medical marijuana with getting to sleep, you can also, if it's CBD oil, because it doesn't get you high, you can use it during the day. So it's an anti-inflammatory and it's a pain reliever. And so if you're going to be working out, if you're going to be exercising, if you're going to be just, you know, going through your day and not wanting to have that pain, instead of using, you know, some of these uh, NSAID drugs that will whack your kidney or your, the lining of your stomach, try New Leaf Naturals uh, CBD oil. It's, it's extraordinary. It's uh, non-intoxicating. It's non-toxic. It's potent. And the brand that I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals, NU Leaf Naturals. It's the highest quality CBD oil on the market, 100% organic, highly concentrated. The only ingredient is hemp. It's uh, no additional additives grown right here in the USA. And go to newleafnaturals.com. That's N-U-Leafnaturals.com. And save 30% off and receive free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, T-H-O-M. Go to newleafnaturals.com for premium cannabinoid wellness. There's only one place, and that's newleafnaturals.com. Michael in Bronx, New York. Hey, Michael, what's up? Hey, Tom. How you doing? Good. I'm starting to suggest that perhaps the Democrats in the 2020 election, mm -hmm. especially in response to Republicans, maybe they ought to run on the Christian Morals and Family Values card to the same way you know, Republicans do. But we all know that Republicans are always talking a bunch of nonsense. And I say that because of what happened last week. Last week, if you recall, Trump says that whether you love me or hate me, you got to vote for me. And he goes further saying, if you don't vote for me, if you vote Democrat, you are disloyal to this nation. You are disloyal to Israel. And then tops it off saying, I am the chosen one of Israel. Right. Well, the New York Daily News, who has always been critical in exposing Trump, um, didn't hesitate in the next day to put on the front cover what they call the big, um, I'm sorry, the last whopper. Right. And the thing is, is that they did a depiction of the Last Supper, you know, the Da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper, and substituted Jesus and the Apostles faces with Trump and his crony faces, right. but it was, again, showing about Trump's world. Well, ironically, the right-wing so-called Christians, they sure as heck condemned the Daily News for their front cover, but they didn't say diddly squat about Trump's own blasphemy, if I can call it that. So you know when 2020 comes, these Republicans are going to run on that Christian morals and family value stuff. And I'm just saying Democrats should counter that with telling... There's already a movement to do really that, Michael, within the church broadly and within the Democratic Party. People who are calling themselves Matthew 25 Democrats and Matthew 25 Christians. Matthew 25 is the part in the Bible where the disciples come to Jesus and they say, we want to go to heaven with you. How do we get there? And, and he says, basically, you know, in the end of days, I'll be sitting there deciding who goes you know, to heaven and who goes to hell. And the people who are going to go to heaven are the people who, when I was hungry, they fed me. When I was sick, they healed me. When I was naked, they clothed me. Presumably that would extend to homeless and, and housed me. And when I was in prison, they visited me. And the disciples all freaked out. And they said, we've never seen you hungry. We've never seen you thirsty. We've never seen you naked. We've never seen you in jail. We're screwed. We're not going to get to heaven. And Jesus said, as you do to the least among you, you have done to me. And that encapsulates the positive aspect of not just Christianity, but of every one of the major religions of the world, and probably all of the minor ones as well. So I'm encouraged and by the Tom? fact that we've got Democrats and Christians calling themselves Matthew 25. And I think that's how you take down the conservatives. Yes, Michael. Yeah, but you should also add in there what Jesus also said in Matthew 16, when he tells the apostles, 
be on guard against the yeast, meaning the propaganda of the Pharisees and the stuff that's spewing out of the GOPs, and especially Trump's mouth when they want to play the Christian card, is indeed that yeast and propaganda. They are the Pharisees of the 21st century. I'm with you, Michael. And first, John, the rap about beware of the people who are going to come and, and basically lie to you. I'm with you. Robert in New York City. Hey, Robert, what's up? Yeah, I just wanted to talk about the farmers uh, claiming bankruptcy all the time. A lot of it has to do with inheritance taxes. And when you have a, a father who uh, gives it to his kids, what happens is they have to come up with millions of dollars in inheritance taxes, even though Only they if they're billionaires. Robert, you don't even pay inheritance tax if your estate is less than $25 million. I don't think there's any farmer in America. In fact, when George W. Bush rolled this old canard out back in 2001 or 2002, saying that, you know, we've got to cut the inheritance tax because it's hurting our family farms. The New York Times went out and looked for any, any, anywhere in the country, a family farm that got hit with an inheritance tax that hurt them. They were not able to find a single one. It's a lie. It's a lie promoted by the Grover Norquists of the world and the right-wing billionaires who are concerned about inheritance taxes, appropriately concerned, but inheritance tax is not affecting small farmers. What's affecting small farmers is Trump's erratic trade policies. This guy does not know how to run a business. He does not know how to run a country. And he has run a whole bunch of businesses into the ground. I mean, how do you lose money running a casino, for God's sake? Um, he ran an airline into the ground. He ran a university into the ground. A federal court uh, you know, ruled that it was a fraud. They convicted him of fraud. He had to pay a $25 million fine just before he became president because he doesn't know how to run a business. Or he, what he does know how to run are scams and cons. And now he's doing it to us. Tom Harvin here with you, Jude in Birmingham, Alabama. Hey, Jude, what's on your mind? Hi. I don't see how anyone of the Christian faith could vote for Donald Trump after he said he was the chosen one. If you understand what that means, it's just insane. Well, he said, I'm the chosen one to negotiate with China. Sir, but he looked up to heaven. He looked away from the reporters. I know, and he pointed his finger at the sky. I I get it. It was a shout-out to the wackadoodles in the... It's mocking the Christian faith totally. That's interesting. I hadn't seen it as a mock. I saw it as he was trying to say to his evangelical followers who think that he's going to bring about that final war of Armageddon in (laughs) Israel that will bring about the return of Jesus, that he was saying to them, you know, I'm your guy. And see, I mean, there's this whole... Well, hang on just a second. Let me lay this out for you, Jude. There's this whole narrative out there that he is the King Cyrus, and uh, that doesn't that doesn't work for this because the chosen one is Jesus. But see, King Cyrus was chosen by God to be the leader of uh, I think it was Persia, Iran at the time. And, you know, he helped the Jews out. And I think and, and that narrative is huge right now. If you listen to just turn on across your AM radio dial until you find one of these Christian radio stations and listen to one of these preachers for a half hour or so. And, and typically they do get into politics and they talk about how Donald Trump is King Cyrus. Donald Trump is the guy who is not really a Christian. And, you know, he's got three wives and he does terrible things to women. And, you know, he's a flawed human being, just like King Cyrus was. But God sent him to save us, not to save him, to save us. And that's the narrative that is being promoted right now on the Christian right, among evangelicals. That's the narrative that Jerry Falwell Jr. is promoting, if not explicitly, at least implicitly. Ditto for Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham. And a whole bunch of the hard right or the fundamentalist evangelicals are openly promoting this, Jude. I understand all that, sir, but I'm just telling you what I know of the Bible and then the Christian faith. And I'm telling you that what he did was he was mocking the Christian faith when he did that. Yeah, I agree. I think he's mocking the Christian faith in everything that he's doing. This man, you know, he doesn't know what Matthew 25 is. He's never read Matthew 7. He doesn't understand the core principles, the the essential principles of Christianity or Judaism for that matter. He just knows himself. He's all about himself. I get that. Jude, thanks a lot for the call. Zach in Las Vegas. Hey, Zach, what's up? Yeah, I just had a question. I'm pretty young. I'm 32, and I work for a huge tech company. Let's call it Banana. They hire a particular set of people to work in their stores, generally, you know, 18 to 25, 30. And uh, I can't seem to uh, find too many of them that are interested in politics in general. I mean, 
you know, you look around, you can, you can see all the signs. It's a collapsing empire that we live in. That the republic is losing its vitality. It's losing its oxygen. And my question is, how do you find the integrity to continue to go forward in the face of such despair? The economy has been hollowed out by neoliberal economics that were put into place by Ronald Reagan in 1981 and have been maintained through four Republican administrations and two Democratic administrations. And I think that, A, it is crashing the system. And your story, you know, the despair that you're experiencing, the horrors in the workplace that you're experiencing are widespread. And I think this is one of the reasons why Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, between the two of them, have a larger percentage of Democratic primary voters than any other candidate, including Joe Biden, is that people want to see fundamental structural change in our economy, genuine progressive change. And typically, that kind of change comes about as a result of an economic disaster. It did in 1929. We, we saw that kind right. of change after the Great Depression. I think that the economic disaster that you are experiencing and that is creeping across our landscape for 40 years Enough people are realizing how terrible this economy is, this neoliberal economy, that we have finally reached that tipping point that only took two years between 1930 and 1932, in the election of 32, when FDR won in a landslide, the Democrats took the House and the Senate and controlled the House basically right up until the 1970s, that that happened really fast because it was really hard and it was really deep, the Great Depression. This one has been happening more slowly. And people are slowly waking up. And, you know, as people enter the job market, they're like, holy cow, you know, what, what happened to a decent job? What happened to a decent paycheck? What happened to job security? What happened to benefits like health insurance? As that is happening, people are waking up. And I tell you, Zach, I am convinced that in the next, I am convinced that A, we're going to see a Democratic president. And I believe a Democratic Congress. And B, that we're going to see major structural change as a result of that. Now, I realize that the billionaires are going to be fighting this tooth and nail, and they're going to have a bunch of Democrats enlisted in their aid. But I really think this is happening, Zach. And this is a problem that's not solved at the level of your employer. This is a problem that is solved at the level of the federal government. So if you want to do something about it, get involved with the local Democratic Party, push them to the left, and help get Democrats elected. i got to move along, but thank you for the call. Appreciate it. And finally, it's just like so much in the news right now. There's an article about this over at Raw's story that I commend to you. There is a group of senators, United States senators, who have filed, by the way, the senators who filed this were Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island, Maisie Hirono of Hawaii, Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, Dick Durbin of Illinois, and Kirsten Gillibrand of New York. Five senators. And they filed this friend of the court brief with the Supreme Court, which says that Sam Alito, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, John Roberts, and Clarence Thomas are pursuing a, quote, political project and are in league with the NRA and pro-gun groups. They say that this effort did not emerge from a vacuum. This is a quote from the amicus brief. The National Rifle Association promoted the confirmation and perhaps selection of nominees to this court who it believed would, quote, break the tie in Second Amendment cases. This backdrop no doubt encourages petitioners' brazen confidence that this court will be a partner in their project. The, what they're talking about is this, you know, the NRA is, is arguing against gun control before the Supreme Court. And this is a front of the court brief relevant to that particular case. And this article in the Raw Story points out that the brief was particularly harsh on Justice Kavanaugh, whose confirmation was aggressively pushed by the NRA. They said, quote, Four liberal justices oppose your right to self-defense. Four justices support your right to self-defense. President Trump chose Brett Kavanaugh to break the tie. Your right to self-defense depends on this vote. Now, that's the ad that the NRA put out. So the NRA was explicitly advertising, campaigning for Brett Kavanaugh to be on the court. And so these five senators are saying, you guys, you five Republicans on the court who were put there by the NRA in large part, you should not be ruling on cases where the NRA is one of the participants in the briefs. You know, you should get out of the way and just go let the other, the other three people on the court, or the other four people, excuse me, on the court, decide this. So, you know, we'll see where this goes. I'm guessing it's not going to be well received, particularly by Mr. Kavanaugh, but 
I mean, just calling them out. It's pretty amazing. John Roberts, Brett Kavanaugh, Clarence Thomas, Sam Alito, and Neil Gorsuch. Steve in Bridgeport, Vermont. Hey, Steve, what's up? Hi, Tom. I live around four dairy farms. Mm -hmm. I live on an old dairy farm. All the dairy farmers I know voted for Trump. They have repeatedly told me since Christmas they will not vote for Trump, that they wasted their vote, and they regret voting for him to this day. That's interesting. That's interesting. I'd like to see some surveys on that. But are you talking about because of his trade policies or just because they figured out that he's nuts? Well, it's both. It's one that he's nuts. And the trade policies have brought the milk prices down to the basement. And my neighbor, who's been doing it, he's 85, he's been doing it his entire life, is in bankruptcy. And not due to some inheritance tax, he's in bankruptcy because of the milk prices and the fact that feed has gone up and he can't do anything but struggle along. And it's all because of Trump. Yeah. Well, you know, the farmers don't go into bankruptcy because of inheritance taxes. It's the exact opposite. Right. I mean, if you've got a large enough nut, you know, if you've got a, a large enough collection of assets to worry about an inheritance tax, then you would not declare bankruptcy. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you put you, you what you do is you move things into trusts and you break. I mean, there's all kinds of ways around the inheritance tax. But, you know, the, the guy who called, it's like, geez, this is what happens when you listen to Rush Limbaugh for years or when you listen to Republicans well, and take them seriously. Well, the fact that he was from New York, I'm from Long Island originally, and I worked in the Hamptons, so I know those rich people. Yeah. And believe me, they don't worry about paying taxes. There you go. Yeah. Steve, thanks a lot for the call. It's good to hear from you. And thank you for being with us today. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. And in the meantime, get involved. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.